1: When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com.
2: Hello, and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby podcast. How are you guys all doing? It's been a couple of weeks since we've been with you. We let the dust settle after the big win against France. But we are back to take you through all of the news of the last couple of weeks and look forward to Scotland women taking uh, on Italy this weekend. As ever, I am joined by Matt and Alan. Matt, how are you doing, pal?
3: Yeah, not too bad. Nice to be back. Um, Looking forward to the... Really enjoyed the the women's game two weeks ago. I'm looking forward to, to the Italy match as well. It's nice to still have some rugby, even though... Say like the protein have been knocked out of the of Europe, so should be good. Get... Yeah,
2: the men's teams have shat the bed, but uh, the women's Six Nations keeps us going. Alan, how are you getting on? I can, it's not a great radio moment, but I can see you've had a haircut, looking very very sharp post lockdown.
0: Yeah, got 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 a cheeky haircut. The guy kept trying to do the side shorter than I wanted. Hairdressers don't seem to understand that I just want the same length all over. I'm not. I'm not a sort of high and tight sort of guy sort of you like get the, you get quite a loose and all fat over. guy yeah same length all over just like or just like half off everything what <laughs> <laughs> every piece of hair just cut it in half and that's fine and i'll be done any given time and that is the haircut you'll have yeah so i think it is it is looking quite high and tight I think yeah. yeah, the guy didn't listen to me. He was like, <laughs> your opinion is incorrect. So I'm going to give you what you should be wanting, which is a high height haircut. haircut. So.
2: Well, you've got it, whether you ask for it or not. But it's fan- you're looking fantastic. Um, we are going to get into lots of news that's come out in the last few weeks. A nice Mixture of rugby related news and some uh, backroom SRU shenanigans uh, to get you through the week uh, before we get going, you can uh, remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at thistle Rugby pod join us on instagram that's thistle Understroke rugby Understroke pod um, sending us an email is always an absolute treat for us to receive that's the thistle rugby at gmail.com and please subscribe to our newsletter which is growing at a pace um, that's over on substack thistle scottish rugby podcast it's a bit of a a, a written version of the pod um, with sort of uh, the weird sights and sounds of Scottish rugby in your inbox every week. So get onto Substack, Thistle Scottish Rugby podcast. And finally, I mentioned from our sponsors, continuing through the success of the Six Nations, Rob Mack, um, the independent financial advisors, uh, they specialize in mortgage management, financial planning, and investments. So if you need any of that stuff, please do get in touch with the guys at Rob Mack, at robmack.com. So, That is all the admin out of the way. Why don't we kick off with one of our classic, you only get them on the thistle. We really dive into the business of the SRU. This week came some new sponsorship announcements. They have continued, sold out. BT Murrayfield lives on for another three years. Um, But BT are relinquishing the front of shirt sponsorship um, with Peter Vardy coming on to the front of the shirt. Alan, Alan, You've been um, Googling an awful lot of um, stuff about Peter Vardy
0: um, today. Is he or is he not related to Reg Vardy? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I sort of always remember Reg Vardy from like the fourth one adverts back in the day. Yes. It turns out that Peter Vardy was part of Reg Vardy, which I'm going to assume was the name of his dad. He sold Reg Vardy and then he started Peter Vardy, but the same sort of business, which he is now sponsoring Scottish rugby but yeah and we've now got a new front of shirt sponsor which is a used car dealership there's like what 15 around Scotland and to be honest I'm just really excited about like the branded content that Scottish rugby are going to come out with just like Sean (laughs) Maitland trying to sell a Vauxhall Corsa in Dumfries just like (laughs) that's that to be fair though that's what the people want so it's uh no I mean look it's I think obviously good, clearly BT have sort of stepped back. But I have to admit, you know, I think there was obviously a lot of kind of like, I wouldn't say outrage, but there was almost like a little bit of um, annoyance when BT took on sort of the stadium rights. And whilst obviously no one in sort of social conversations refers to Murrayfield as BT Murrayfield, I almost feel like the wider sort of general public in Scotland have kind of got used to the whole sort of BT Murrayfield thing and no one really cares anymore. So, you know, if if the you are able to get kind of half a mil or a mil from having beat the BBC and whatever broadcaster refer to as BT Murrayfield, then, you know, you might as well. So,
2: no, I guess... And do you, you know, think by bringing in Peter Vardy, I mean, obviously we won't know, but will they have sort of increased the amount of money coming in? Would you have expected by getting a new front of shirt?
0: I think given the COVID pandemic bt removing themselves from the front of shirt and a brand you know whilst you know bt aren't like a a particularly global company but they're still like quite a large especially sort of you know uk company Mm -hmm. i would be very surprised if peter vardy are paying the similar similar amount for that front of shirt as uh as btr but i think you have to be fair to the su that given the current you know Context in which they're operating in, with COVID and sponsorship money sort of going down, it doesn't feel like it's the worst worst scenario. Keeping BT on as sort of a sponsor, and then having at someone else on the, on the shirt. So, no, it's uh, it's good. Sold out. BT Murrayfield remains. I'm still convinced that Duhan Vandermeerver and I will. I, someone needs to prove me wrong on this. <laughs> I'm convinced that der Vanamover thinks the name of the stadium is sold out BT Murrayfield. Because he <laughs> refers to it as sold out BT Murrayfield in situations where either A you would be referring to the name of the stadium. You know, it's not like he's referring to like the fact it's sold out, it's you know, it's yeah. or if it is a joke, he he needs to at least give a smile of some
3: some he, form. He's not making a joke. He <laughs> he's not got that in his locker. Because I know what you mean. When he sort of refers to, he'd say things like, yeah, we've had a good training session on Solve Out Murrayfield. <laughs> but ultimately, <laughs> keeping BT on makes the, the comms department's life a lot easier because that, that's, that well-worn well, script is just exactly the same. That's locked in now.
2: Well-oiled machine. I was looking to see if there was any actual companies called sold out that could maybe take it on after BT. <laughs> There's like a small, like video games producer. I just don't know if they've got the coin to, to pick up the the national stadium of Scotland, but that's the sort of thing I I think they should be looking at. Um, anyway, that is quite enough of SRU, um, SRU sponsorship chat. We look forward to seeing it. Um, the new shirt, when that drops later in the year, we'll get a view of the, the Peter Vardy um, sponsorship up front. Um, back on the pitch, announcement out of Edinburgh today. Um, back row and former Scotland Under-20s captain um, Connor Boyle um, has re-signed for Edinburgh. Um, split loyalties on the pod. Obviously went to school at Stu Mel, but played his club rugby at Watson. So we are huge fans of uh, of Connor. Matt, big signing for Edinburgh, particularly in that sort of quite crowded back row for him to get a, a, get a contract?
3: Yeah, I think so. And particularly given Rory Darge and maybe to a lesser extent, Ali Miller have been sent across to Glasgow, it, yeah. it shows quite a lot of faith in, in Boyle. He, when he's sort of played in his pre-season games for, for Edinburgh, where he's sort of had probably the most exposure, he's always looked really good. Uh, and he is still only 21 as well, which is kind of quite easy to to forget because I think he was captain of the under 20s when he was only 18. So he's a guy that's sort of come through quicker than than expected, maybe. Um, and hopefully next next year, um, or maybe during the the Rainbow Cup that we'll come on to talk about, we actually get to see him start a few games at that highest level and see whether he's he's got enough to mix it because. Definitely at the under-20 level, at least, he seemed to be able to, to really hold his own against the other Six Nations sides and was always the standout player.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was something that Richard Cockrell picked out. I'm just reading his quotes now. He says, we're really excited to see Connor continue his development in a world-class positional group. He's a hard working local lad. I do think they copy and paste a lot of these across these quotes. I just think there's a lot of there's a lot of platitudes in these quotations.
0: I wonder, I mean, now that Bradbury like, not that the game against Racing was a particularly great great outing, but potentially that looks like they might be trying to move Bradbury into into the second row. Yeah. It feels like. Connor Boyle and Luke Crosby now will be the two people that are sort of deputizing for Richie and Watson mm. when, uh, when they're away. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Just reading a little bit more of this press release, he is um, currently studying towards a degree in international business management, so he's hot on the heels of Nathan Bombris. You can see him taking that international um, business role at the SRU in a few years' time after his career. That's just the SRU pipeline all the way through. Um.
1: The,
0: while we're ahead. sort of tangentially talking about Edinburgh, it's, I know we sort of never had a podcast post that Edinburgh Rassing game, oh, yeah. but there was sort of this narrative sort of post that match that this like racing pack or the racing team in general were like this sort of like group of, you know, like the Harlem Globetrotters of rugby and that the, the pack was like a, a group of absolute kind of savage monsters. And I almost, I was sort of having a look back this week at the team and the sort of racing pack it's, it's sort of I think actually when you look at it, you strip away Rassing, you strip away those backs. It's it's actually just like quite an okay, like it's a good pack, but it's nothing sort of amazing. It's like the the six, seven and eight for Rassing, Diallo, Chosnay and Joseph are three French back rows who don't have one France cap between them. Then they've got Bernard LaRue and Donna Karine. Donna Karine's 37 and they're Bernard LaRue. <laughs> Obviously Camille Shah is a freak and La- then La- th- is a very good player he is a good player but you know I. But he's I, better than Bradbury he is better than Bradbury but at the same time you know it's not like this team of absolute superstars and you know I think I just look at that sort of especially that back five of the the racing pack and I think actually when you look when you look at that comparison to the Edinburgh team, which was Bradbury, Gilchrist, Richie, Watson and matter, all internationalists, you know, quite a couple of them trying to push in for the Lions. You look at the score, you know, 56-3. And actually, when you look at the match and, you know, it wasn't like it was, you know, a tight contest in the forwards and it was the racing backs kind of tearing up. You know, a lot of it was that the racing pack were really battering the Edinburgh pack. And a lot of people like, you know, Cherry and Schoeman were getting actually pretty schooled. It's yeah. actually just a bit dis- disappointing when I think you look at it in terms of how easily dominated they were by a pack that I don't think is actually that far ahead of them on paper.
3: I've actually always thought that with Racing, because when you looked at the Champions Cup final last year, when you compared them to Exeter, particularly in the in the pack, I, I agree. I think people like Donica Ryan, you look at it and go, "Well, you know, Munster didn't want to keep him, Ireland didn't want to keep him in the country." There does seem to be something about them where the the, the sum of the, the the sum of the parts is, or they're stronger than the sum of the parts. Um, but I, the, the other thing I found interesting about the match was afterwards, and Cockrell's done this a bit recently. He hasn't even seemed angry about a bad performance. He's sort of been pretty resigned to things, to not maybe not excuses, but after the wrestling match, he was making the point that the wrestling budget is far bigger, big, better than, than Edinburgh's. Well, you know, we've, we've known that since the first day of the season. This isn't a new thing that's come along and you have to find a way to overcome that. And, and Edinburgh have in the past, um, you know, a couple of years. And I think in the, the Pro 14 this year, which has been a complete disaster really for Edinburgh, post-match, he's just said, well, we've got players missing. We don't have the same budgets as the other teams, so we can't do anything about it. And, Yeah, I I don't know. I just don't think... Maybe it's just me, but it doesn't seem as if he is angry enough about, about these things and whether he does maybe have his eye slightly on other roles. I don't know if that's unfair. Yeah, it's interesting. I... I
0: know it's, it's a very different tone to the one he would have taken, I think two years ago, if they, if they lost in that manner. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's, he is just like checked out and he's just looking for the next gig or whether actually, you know, maybe he's just sent something within the group that, you know, ultimately given everything that's happened over the last 12 months and given, you know, the fact that the the team has been sort of decimated by kind of, requirements of the national team it's just probably not the right place to do it it'd be interesting to see how they sort of come back with the rainbow cup and I think I don't know it's difficult to sort of assess it I think at the same time I think Edinburgh and Glasgow have been poorer than they should have been this season at the same time you know I'm sure both coaches and have both coaches have stated that you know ultimately they can't be judged on what's happened over the last sort of 12 months just given all the the issues they've had to face I think
3: that's that's fine. I would agree with that. It's it's when I think Cockrell's the the main culprit. I don't think Wilson does it, and Rennie didn't really do it either. Just constantly citing the fact that Edinburgh have a lower budget, and you'd like to think that Cockrell was aware of that when he took the job and understood the constraints that he'd be operating under. But and that's the challenge of the role. There's there's nothing that will will change that, and there's nothing he's going to change throughout the course of his his. Time at Edinburgh, so yeah, it just, it, it just seems a bit bit odd to me. Since
2: we are touching on those games back in Europe, very disappointing that that Glasgow threw away what looked like quite a decent chance to maybe turn over Montpellier with uh, that that red card from T.G. Ioni. And you, you, we were talking a little bit about this on WhatsApp. That you look at that semi-final draw for the Challenge Cup and um. Glasgow could have been there. If they'd beaten Montpellier, they would have gone and played um Benetton. Yeah. It's just it seems like a huge it seems like a huge missed opportunity, but I guess it's just
0: where both those pro sides are
2: at the moment. Um Yeah, and,
0: and I don't think you know I don't know what was quite off with the Glasgow performance because, you know, it wasn't I, I think in the pack especially there's quite a few of the few of the team, you know, people like Xander Ferguson who really had the better of their their sort of opposite man and actually you know Glasgow had a few opportunities to to get tries on the board and they just didn't seem to be able to convert anything when they got into got inside the 22 um so yeah we're we're now we now get to move on to the glorious rainbow cup
2: yes which is um not without its problems shall we say Um, Reports in South Africa broke probably a couple of days ago that the teams were not at the moment being granted their visas to come to the UK. The South African franchises had um, planned to bubble themselves down in Bristol throughout the tournament, but the home office have not granted them visas um, presumably because they're coming from South Africa of the of South African variant fame, um, I should have thought. But the marketing around it has been quite dispiriting. What we do know is happening is that Edinburgh are playing Glasgow again twice, and Zebra once in the in the coming weeks. And then there's a lot of TBcs after that. Have we seen enough 1872 Cup action this year, Matt?
3: Can you ever see enough eighteen seventy two cup? I mean it it's one of the most exciting it's the old is the oldest rugby tournament out there, isn't it? It's the oldest rugby cup. F- so, it feels it
2: feels that like COVID has been nothing but eighteen seventy-two fixtures with like occasionally punctuated by a Scotland match. There's just yeah. sort of been like lo- local derbies.
3: Yeah. Uh that, on one hand I, I get it that it's yeah, short notice, the logistical difficulties of you know, even maybe playing matches in England and make that unrealistic. Um, You know, we we were having a discussion and we we put out on Twitter whether there was an opportunity to do something a bit different, like come up with some pretty scratch district type sides of that kind of thing, which I think with a bit more time and a bit more thought could be quite a cool concept, but I appreciate it'd be very difficult to do short notice and make sure that the teams are evenly matched and that you you would probably have to draw upon some Super 6 players and academy guys who who might not be ready. But yeah, the, the fixture list now of Zebri and then back-to-back 1872 Cups, one of which doesn't count towards the Cup itself. Doesn't well, you can't have two four 1872
0: Cup <laughs> games, Matt. That'd be crazy, right? It can only <laughs> be three. Oh, it's yeah, such yeah. A, traditional, a traditional tournament. That
2: to like...
3: the integrity of the tournament. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: So there's there's a third... The third match is the decider, and then the next one is what that just counts towards the Rainbow
0: Cup. Yeah, it's just a regular Rainbow Cup match, which <laughs> has no bearing on the eighteen seventy two Cup, the uh, the <laughs> week before. So, like, it is what it is. I I agree. I, you know, we were you know, we were chatting about the what the other options are because, you know, I. Really struggled to see a scenario in which these four South African teams come over and start playing playing matches against um, not only obviously Scottish and Welsh, but also Irish opposition, which is you know obviously managed by a completely different (laughs) um, government. Um, And I think you're right. How difficult, you know, should it be that difficult to set up some form of kind of like inter Scotland? inter-district tournament you know ultimately the sru a manages all the players within scotland and also you know ultimately i'm sure a lot of these super six and under 20s players would be absolutely chomping at the bit yeah to get experience at that level and whilst obviously you, i don't think you want to put under 20s or super six players into an environment where they're playing against all you know pros or playing against sort of an Ulster, but ultimately in an environment where it's, it's this kind of mix between your kind of seasoned pros and mm. the kind of more youngsters coming through, it feels like quite a good good environment. And I, I genuinely do think within Scotland, especially because there hasn't been any Premiership or National League or Super 6 rugby for the last 12 months, I really do think there'd be quite a big kind of desire, desire for it. It's, it's maybe more of like a COVID testing issue.
3: I think that's the the issue because Glasgow have played the like maybe Glasgow A side B side have played the under twenties before as part of the under twenties preparation for for a, a world championship or whatnot. So I think from a from a welfare perspective, it's actually it's probably okay to have those eighteen to twenty year olds playing within yeah. maybe maybe front rows a bit different.
2: I guess the I guess the other big thing is. It's a money thing, isn't it? You're not gonna be able to sell the rights to an interdistrict championship to that many people. They've got
0: nothing else. <laughs> but so yeah, that's I... a
2: super sport in South Africa. Be like, look guys, <laughs> yeah. this is what we can give you as a replacement product. Should
0: we set should the thistle set up its own like streaming service? We'll take on the interdistrict championships. I think we should. Just what, one of us with an iPhone
2: just yeah. like streaming live <laughs> onto our Twitter
3: account. <laughs> I think we could make a better website than Premier Sports. The the website looks like it's designed by a sort of fifteen year old a school project. Agreed.
0: Just like I think us three a drone, maybe like a Wix dot com website.
3: <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah.
1: All,
2: All footage from drone, one hundred percent drone footage. That would be our USP.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. Look, I'm sure there's plenty of high net worth investors out there listening to the pod right now. Get in touch if you want to sort of ruin behind um, Thistle TV. We'll be very, very interested in taking that forward. Um, So that is the the Rainbow Cup. We will keep an eye on what is going to happen there. But what we do know is we get that sweet 1872 Cup action back again very, very soon. Also very, very soon. Scotland Women, their second game of the Six Nations campaign coming up they were on the end of a fairly heavy loss to um favorites england um at the weekend matt i know you were looking look, watching that and providing a little bit of commentary on online i mean it looked like a pretty you no know, tough result on paper but it does represent some progress for the women would you say
3: yeah i think so i think you need to provide some context around it that Scotland only have a handful of pros against England who are fully professional. And that difference in in professionalism, I think, came through in a lot of the the organisation, rather than, and maybe the conditioning side of things, rather than England necessarily having far better players. And it was also Scotland's first proper, the, the players' first proper bit of rugby since that France draw last October, I think. It was. I actually think this, the scoreline doesn't quite reflect the game. I think Scotland battled really well. It was just the... I don't think they were used to having their skills put under as much pressure as England applied. The English defence was really quick. So, particularly when Scotland were trying to set up exit plays out of their own 22, which must have been charged down like four or five times in the first 20 minutes, They just couldn't get out of their own half at all. Um, but when when they did, actually, you know, the the... Set piece was very good, and they were making life difficult for for England. It was it was just, as I say, the skills under pressure and a bit of maybe the kicking as well was kind of kind of the difference. And, and when England get front foot ball with the players they have, I think it's difficult for anyone to stop them really.
2: I watched England versus Italy at the weekend actually, and um, it was there was shades of like similar things, I guess, in the England and, and Italy. The Gulf in class. In certain areas, but certainly in the first half, Italy fronted up really, really well. And England got two runaway scores from just skills breaks down, breakdowns. So mm. a drop pass or a miss pass in, in the mid, midfield. And somebody like Emily Scarrett, who's like a, a, an amazing professional, is really, really quick. She just picks that up and runs 60 meters. And it's that sort of stuff that England seem to be able to do. And then once they get into that dominant position and get a bit of ball in the second half against a tiring side, they seem to be able to streak away and, and 60 points gets racked up quite quickly, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. But Scotland, Scotland Italy this weekend, usually very sort of quite nip and tuck games between the two sides. Um, what can we be looking forward to? Rachel Malcolm, Scotland captain, injured and not, not coming in. So what's the team looking like?
3: Yeah, well, it, it's... Um, Scotland versus Italy in the women's game is actually very different to the men's in, in recent years because it, it's not been... They've been far tighter affairs and actually I think Italy have a better record over the last two or three years. Italy have won the last three. Yeah, including quite a comfortable win at Scotston in 2019. I think. So although Scotland would have been targeting this as their more likely victory, it's, it's not the same, nearly the same gimme as the, as the men would have. Ra- Rachel Malcolm is, I think she injured her knee in like the first minute and then kept playing. Um, she, she's a big loss, but I actually, I actually think that Emma Wassell, the the other, um, her, her partner in second row was one of Scotland's better players, fronted up really well, was, was really commanding in the line out. Um, and I think Scotland will have a bit more of a chance to attack because in, in um, patches through the likes of kind of Hannah Smith and, and uh, Lisa Thompson in particular in centers sh- showed that there is quite a lot of ability there to, to break the game line and to, to cause defensive problems. And as I said, I, I don't think Italy's line speed will be nearly as, as quick as, as England's. And yeah, if you, if you look at the results from both the England games, like the, Scotland match was a, w- a little bit closer, so maybe they can take quite a lot of confidence in that going into the weekend.
2: Absolutely, and that's it. That is at Scotston um, this Saturday. I believe it's being shown on the red button of iPlayer um, because they couldn't replace Cash in the Attic, sadly. The real shame that they didn't manage to get that scheduling sorted. Uh, we had hoped to interview somebody from the, uh, from the women's team tonight, but um, Dodson said no, unfortunately. We asked Mark, but he didn't fancy it. So it was a bit of a shame. Um, but we hope to uh, have somebody from the women's team on um, in the weeks to come. But other big news, um, jumping around a little bit um, in tonight's episode, Lions, back in the men's game, British and Irish Lions tour this summer. Two Scots have already been called up to the squad, or at least one Scot and one pseudo Scot. Uh, Gregor Townsend and uh, Steve Tandy were announced uh, this week as Warren Gatland's um, uh, as members of Warren Gatland's co- coaching team. Um, Alan, how good could that be for Scotland's representation
0: on the tour? Potent- probably not going to have a massive impact. I think the general consensus seems to be that Gatland. Even in, up till sort of like, you know, up to the before the Six Nations, probably had his squad sort of, you know, 80, 85% of the way there. And ultimately, I think where Tandy and Townsend specifically are really going to have influence are probably around the sort of edges or on those sort of key 50 50 decisions. And I think one of the interesting things we have seen is Chris Harris's odds of going on the Lions tour have dropped from about what appears to be sort of 10 to 1 at the end of the Six Nations, I actually put a fiver on him at about 6 to 1. And it looks like he's gone down till about 2 to 1. And I think, you know, obviously I'm sure a bit of that is just people putting on money, but I, I wonder whether given just, you know, how you know lauded he's been for his sort of defensive capabilities, but also kind of what he's been able to do in Attack for Scotland and just the fact that clearly Toone and Tandy are both massive fans of him,
1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You
0: know He can cover center slash wing where he's going to be part of that conversation. And it feels like it's a sort of area that where maybe if they hadn't been in the room, he wouldn't have got potentially got on that plane. But actually with them in his corner and able to kind of give a bit more insight to what he's like as a character and as a player that's the sort of situation
3: where he might then just make that jump into the squad. I, I think yeah. I that it's, it's potentially best for us, is Finn Russell, actually from a, from a Scottish perspective, because I think that clearly there are doubts um, from, from Gatland about, or if, maybe from just the, the general, like non Scottish rugby public about his mm. maybe temperament and ability to manage games. And I think that with Townsend as your attack coach, Gatland presumably has to trust him a lot with um, you know, b- backing his calls and backing his instincts, and I, I think that if, if there's one player that Townsend is going to maybe like almost stake his reputation on, or draw like a real line in the sand and say, "This is the one I won't budge on because you know, I think we, we need to maybe take a bit of a risk on him, but the things he can do are, are so spectacular, that I think his position has, has strengthened a lot from, from maybe a couple of weeks ago.
0: I have a theory that behind the
3: scenes, Tooney and Finn still fucking hate each other. <laughs> I, I, I think I think you're right, but I think Townsend appreciates how good he is and how important he is to Scotland. So Agre- I, agreed. I don't think he's going to hold a grudge against him going into the Lions if he still picks him for Scotland.
2: I, I think the Finn follow has been really good for Gregor Townsend's narrative as well. It has allowed him to be like, I've grown, I have learned my yeah. lessons. I'm now a really cool, chilled out guy, thanks very much to Finn. It's given him like an extra layer to his narrative, which he just didn't he couldn't access before. Um that's what it's per- it, so. perhaps that's why he's in the squ-
0: he's in the coaching ticket. G- Gatlin's gonna be like, Tony, should I bring Finn? And he'd be like, absolutely no fucking way, he's a complete asshole. And then Finn's gonna be like, Why don't I get picked and Tune be like, I'm sorry, man, Gatland. It was a <laughs> yeah. trauma best. Gatland <laughs> Gatland was insisting that you weren't allowed to come on the tour. Mm. Um it'd be interesting though for Finn, you know, I think I think probably we underestimate how much rugby, Gatland, and sort of broader line team watch. I imagine they are going to be watching Racing in the top fourteen, but at the same time, them not making the Champions Cup semi-finals just takes removes him from another kind of high-pressure situation where he can prove himself, which he wasn't able to do completely in the Six Nations. Now, he had moments against England and moments against France, but I don't think anyone objectively can look at that Six Nations and say that Finn Russell played himself into the Lions team.
2: I think that's absolutely right. I'm just looking at um, Ian McGeekin has written for The Telegraph his... 36-man line squad featuring seven Scotland players: Sutherland, Turner, Watson, Price, Russell, Harris, and Hogg. Um, what? So, I, I guess jumping off from there, what does? And Matt, I'll come to you first. What does good look like now for Scotland selection in this line squad? Is seven completely outlandish? You know, would you be happy with four? um, What's Where do you think your head's at in terms of good?
3: I think before Townsend and Tandy were confirmed, I was almost fearing the worst and thinking that Scotland would get four tops, really, but wasn't, you know, 100% certain about that. I I think five would be... It would be a very good result, I think. It's just so competitive, and particularly if Gatlin is is only going to take this 36-man squad, like some some class players are going to miss out, not just from Scotland. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, that kind of five to seven range, maybe seven feels a bit optimistic, but c- could, could be quite a sort of realistic outcome.
2: I have to say all respect to Geech. I do think George Turner is quite a punchy shout in there. Yeah, I don't get that one. <laughs> yeah. The, the other six, I think Sutherland, Watson, Price, Russell, Harrison, Hogg. I was looking at the odds. I think Price's odds are actually pretty pretty short, but, but sort of all of the scrum halves who started for their country are. It's almost like, because they're, they're, there isn't a standout performer. I think yeah. Connor Murray's the shortest odds, sort of almost by default
0: and, and I, it's interesting you know one of our sort of mutual friends sort of called us out and said that we focus too much on the Scottish negatives and focus too much on the positives of other players and I think Price is probably a good example of this where I and you know it's, it's ultimately a fact of the fact we, we spend a lot more time analyzing the Scottish players but in my head all I can really remember of Price's Six Nations is the moments where he made mistakes whether it's a toji charge down or that kick in that Wales game Whereas you compare it to sort of Connor Murray, and I just sort of focused around that England match where he had such a great game and sort of forget that actually earlier in the tournament he was, you know, essentially dropped, right, for Gibson yeah. Park. And you know, I think price is actually an interesting one where actually the since the Six Nations, the more I thought about it, I actually think he's probably got a, a better chance than I than I originally thought. I think he potentially can bring something kind of quite good to that to that team that's a bit different from from the other scrum halves. And I, I do think you know, there's no there's no other scrum half in in the home nations that's markedly better than. Him. And I I think you know we we all think agree that Ben Youngs isn't a better player than Ali Price. Not at the moment. And um, it's he is. I, I think Ali Price is one that I think. You know, potentially has a more likely chance of going than Finn Russell. You know, I I almost feel like the narrative is going a little bit against Finn at the moment, especially now that he's just not been able to compete in these Champions Cup matches. Mm. I suppose the benefit of that, the only
2: the the Champions Cup's an interesting one, but I suppose Johnny Sexton's the only person sort of left competing with Finn in that. Yeah, and he went. He got injured and went off after twenty minutes of the of the quarter. Just
0: sort of showing how frail he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then annoyingly, Byrne came on. And this is the thing and was class we've discussed as we know, is Byrne for Leinster is unbelievable. But for some reason, Ireland... And there is that difference between these players that, again, are class at a club level. But just aren't able to sort of prove themselves at an international level. And, you know, Finn isn't someone like that. He he clearly is an international quality player. And I think actually you look yeah. at Hog, and for some reason there is a massive gulf, I think, between the quality of play Hog has at an international level versus what he does for Exeter.
2: Yeah, playing for Scotland does seem to like unlock something in Hoggy. Yeah. Mm. like Obviously like ultra proud to play for Scotland every time he does it, and it does just seem to like bring something
0: out in him. Um do you no, think there's any chance that Hogg gets captain of lions?
3: I think he might uh, this, this, he might potentially get vice captain. Yeah. And I think they will go with a forward and if be Win Jones. I, I just wonder
0: whether I mean Gatland did did Win Jones start the first test in New Zealand? I was there, but I can't remember. It was definitely Cruz definitely started.
3: Was it Toji? Toji,
0: Toji didn't start. Did he not? So it must have been. It must have been Win Jones and um, and uh, Cruz. As I said, I you know, I feel like Alan Win Jones, you know, completely fair play to him. It's amazing that he was playing at in that 0-9 series in at twenty three, but he is holding on for dear life. Like that guy is about to break. Just like. <laughs> He's yeah. he is incredible.
3: He is what Johnny
0: Gray could be.
3: Yeah. Do you know who started at twelve in that
0: test? Ben Theo. That's nuts.
3: You know who's playing for the Brisbane Bron- Broncos now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it was was it oh, Wyn Jones hell. in the row? Yeah, it was Wyn Jones and Chris, yeah. And that was when Omani was captain, inexplicably. Yes. And even people, even we were like, bring back Warburton. This is a joke. Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so when I went up to a afterwards, and was like, "Great game," and he was like, "I don't know who you are, and I do not want to speak to you." He didn't say that, but he looked at me, and that's what
3: it. speaking of um, narrative, the the Steve Tandy narrative is absolutely unbelievable. Sacked as Ospreys coach in 2018, went to the Waratahs for a bit. Then when he got appointed as the Scotland defence coach, we were all pretty underwhelmed. And his record as defence coach from a point when, I think Matt Taylor must go down as one of the worst coaches we've ever had. The <laughs> defensive record in, in, I think, 2015 Six Nations was 2014, when I think he was defence coach was 27 points a game yeah like and, and last year we were down to 59 in in total so which was the best in the six nations and then 91 this year which was second best and now he's steve tandy obviously lines coach it's it's an unbelievable story really
0: yeah, I, to be fair, I I, I couldn't really I didn't really know too much about him. The fact that he was made head coach of the Ospreys at 32, mm. which is um, which is probably too early for anyone, right? Like, and it's kind of a, you know, and it, yeah, it's, as you said, you know, obviously he he stayed there at the Ospreys for a while. Rode a little moved to the Waratahs, and then clearly, I don't know what his relationship was with the SOU or who he knew in camp, or whether I guess it was someone like Danny Wilson. Was, was there already and was able to put, um, sort of kind of vouch for him. But yeah, clearly sort of come in and I think has been able to bring something to that setup that probably Tooney just wasn't able to offer as part of that as as a sort of head coach.
3: I think from what I remember with Tandy, he was appointed as like the cheap option because remember the the Ospreys went through that period of having, you know, Marty Holler and... yeah people like that. Then I I don't know who was funding that, but they clearly pulled out and they were like, let's get this 32 year old in um, on the cheap. But no, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool story really. Now. And it'd be, I guess it's
0: interesting, you know, thinking through, I'd be so surprised if Gatland stays with any more lines to his past. This one, it feels like this has got to be the last for him, but I guess looking at, you know, Australia 2025, you got to think Tooney's in the hot seat for that head yeah. coach role. You know, I mean, as long as he's still with Scotland, I guess, you know, potentially post 2023 World Cup, if he, if they don't get out of the group, which is a massive possibility, he might not stay with Scotland. But probably him or Andy Farrell are the two main people up for it. Um, you would have yeah. thought so. Do you want to? Do, we do a quiz, or we got we got anything, anything else, Dave, on the on the agenda?
2: Uh, my, um, my, I don't know if you guys re- realize my internet cut out for about three minutes there. But yeah. if you guys were just chatting, that's absolutely. I came back yeah. in, you were just happily talking about Steve Tandy, I and I was like, I this didn't is notice cool."
3: That, but we we just kept going, so I think it's fine.
2: Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a little bit of a rambling episode so far. So I reckon we just end on a end on a quick quiz and then get it out
0: there. That's good. Say quick, mate. I've got like 12, 12 questions here. <laughs> okay. nice.
2: um, right, I'll do a wee link from Lions. I can tidy up. Um, well, the squad is announced on the 6th of May, so there's going to be plenty of Lions chat um, until then. Um, if you do hate hate yourself, go on to Twitter and post your Lions squad or propose Lions 15 And just lots of people that you don't know will shout at you and tell you that you're wrong. So always happy to see that sort of stuff happening online. But Alan, you're going to see us out
0: tonight with a quiz. Yes, we are. So I've taken inspiration from another podcast and gone for a nicknames quiz. Okay. So I've got 15 nicknames. Of, sco- of Scottish rugby players, so I'm going to bash through all 15. Some of them are super, super easy, so you should really get them. There's only actually, I think you should be both aiming for double figures, 100. Okay. percent I'm going to go through all of them really quickly, and then we'll go we'll go back through. it, Okay. So right, I mean, the f- the first one is like this is the easiest thing in the world. So number one, big Gav. <laughs> is that number- a nickname? <laughs> number two I just love it so much <laughs> uh, number two the great white shark yep number three chainsaw number yep. four basil basil yeah got that number five is wagga yeah yeah number six is chunk yeah, number seven is border terrier. What? <laughs> border, ter- border terrier.
2: Are these nicknames you've made up.
0: No, these are all is either. It, pro- is that what we're
2: supposed to do? We're trying to yeah. identify the ones that yeah. you've made up for people. No,
0: these are all either on Wikipedia or from another such trusted online source. Okay. <laughs> uh, number eight is meatball. Yeah. Number nine is two can Dan. <laughs> Number 10 is uh, is Rambo. Number yeah. 11 is Mossy. Yeah. Number 12 is Fuzzy. Yeah. Number 13 is Old Boy. Old Boy. Old Boy. boy. <laughs> Old boy. <laughs> 14 is Santa. Oh yes. And 15 is Boom Boom. Boom Boom. <laughs> boom, boom.
1: <laughs>
0: so that's that's your that's your fifty right there. Alright. So number one, big Gav. Assuming you've both got this. <laughs> Gavin <Yep>. Kerr. <laughs> <laughs> uh number two, the great white shark. Dave, what you got? Jason White.
3: Matt. Uh Jason White as well. It's, it's John it's Jeffrey. John Jeffrey, isn't it? There? John oh, Jeffrey. Shit. That is embarrassing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, uh, Matt. Number three, the chainsaw. I'm sure that Jason White used to get called the Great White Shark as well.
3: Did he? Did he, though? I think we've said it on the pod before. Yeah, no, it, it is John Jeffrey, isn't it? Um, number three is uh, Brendan Laney. Chainsaw.
2: Chainsaw, Brendan Laney, yeah. Cool.
3: Two
0: all. Now, Dave, Basil.
2: Um, I've got no I've got absolutely no idea. I temporarily went down a route where I was trying to think of like Basil, famous Basil's, famous Basil Faulty, and then I tried to think of there was someone that could be like that, but no, I've
0: got no idea on who Basil is. Have you got this? um Yeah, it's uh, Brian Redpath. It is Brian
3: Redpath. Ah. And then I was I was reading that. Is named after Basil Brush. Yes, and then Brian Redpath
0: he... liked the uh, adventures of a certain foxy puppet. Reading it from a garden article, <laughs>
2: apparently... I was in the right. I was in the right track, just the wrong famous, you know, fictional Basil. Uh,
3: apparently, um, I read somewhere it's either because you know how his obviously has Cam Redpath has one son, and then his other son Murray Redpath has just been named in the Scotland in the twenties. And yeah. apparently, it's either Cam Redpath or Murray Redpath. One, some of his their teammates called him Boom Boom, as oh. in like the mini version of Basil Brush.
0: Yeah, we just ruined number
3: fifteen. Oh shit! <laughs> 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 oh, well, I got that as well. Then I did know it. So Cameron even, called I, Boom Boom. I didn't even have that as an answer, by the way. I had no idea. So Basil Brush had a catchphrase, which was ha 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 Boom Boom. Yeah, that's that's pretty well known, isn't it? I don't yeah. I've, never, I've never watched it. Um, well Biden does a good impression of it in the trip. Uh,
2: and what? So they call Cameron Redpath boom boom. Correct. So that's number
0: fifteen.
2: All right. Fair enough.
0: Alright, so fourth, we'll do we'll give you both boom boom then. So it's four, three to Matt. Uh, Dave. Wagger. Uh Nathan Hines. You got that, Matt? Yep. Chunk. Alan Jacobson. I'm assuming you have that Matt. <clears throat> Yeah. I'll give you a go to you, Matt, on this. Border Terrier. What have you got?
3: I wasn't sure, but is it I was thinking it was maybe Gary Armstrong?
0: Dave, have you got an answer? Um yeah, Gary Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> such bullshit. <laughs> it is Gary Armstrong
2: then. Yeah, I knew I've I've always known the Border Terrier very well.
3: <laughs> where where you got, where have you got that from? I've never heard of that.
0: The Border Terrier.
3: I thought he was like the junkyard dog.
0: The junk. I mean, you can have two nicknames, can't you? <laughs> um, yeah, sure. On Wikipedia, it says um, his nickname is the Border Terrier. That's all I've got for you. Uh, so, Johnny
3: Wilkinson apparently called Guy Armstrong the junkyard dog. Oh, that's fair. Two yeah, quite.
0: So. A bit aggressive, but quite cool nicknames, I guess. Um, They're quite like. <laughs> I guess they're quite
2: like long. You can't like use them in sort of like quite like passing. But oh yeah. here he is oh, Oi boy oi, junkyard dog. How are you? It's a bit of <laughs> shit, isn't it?
0: Dave, meatball.
2: Well, I think this is where we sort of um we diverge from common parlance, isn't it? I'm pretty sure that's what everyone calls Dunk a lot of people call Duncan Weir.
0: Matt.
3: Uh yeah, I had the same
0: yeah i i think his nickname was meatball and then i think we called him spud for a little bit and then i think spud turned to pudding we called him not, pudding and now he's the pudding i think quite a lot of the
2: glasgow players call him the bog call him the bog brush as well because of his hair like when his oh, hair yeah. is short it's quite like spiky they call him like yes. bog brush or like bog trotter and stuff like that
0: <laughs> there you go <laughs> and uh, does anyone have Can dan
2: I mean
3: uh no now you idea. say it again, it's on it's somewhere in the back of my mind. Um, have you got a can we have a clue?
0: Simon Danielle. Uh currently part of the SOU um juggernaut as a coach <laughs> Mike Blair. Uh, originally born in New Zealand? No Click. idea. Played in the centre. Sean Lenin? Sean Lenin is correct. It's, uh, I was reading, I found it from um, a rogue Alistair Reed article in the Times from uh, 2017, where he says... Lenin adds that he also couldn't hold his drink, another cardinal sin in rugby. In fairness, this admission is true. It's not for nothing that you end up with the nickname Toucan Dan. <laughs> 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 I just don't know where, you know, his name's not Dan, but I guess, you know, if you can't drink, then that's that's the name you get. So, yeah, Sean Lenin, Toucan Dan. Jose? Fair enough. Uh, Rambo? Stuart McNally. Yeah, Mossy,
3: Chris
2: Patterson,
0: which is supposedly named after some sort of like cartoon dinosaur. Don't know. Um, Fuzzy Bear, Chris Pizarro. Oh god, for fuck's sake! <laughs> <laughs> it, it is Chris Pizarro. Now, I don't think anyone's getting old boy. Old boy. To give you a bit of so, this lad was both. Played rugby union and rugby league. Originally born in Middlesbrough in 1980. Got five caps for Scotland between 2000 and 2001. <laughs> he also played for Scotland at rugby league 10 times. And so a No. He played oh. rugby for the Northampton Saints, Warriors, Border Reavers, and then rugby league for Hull, Hull Kingston Rovers and Featherstone Rovers. So that Andy Craig guy? No, oh fuck! uh... Um, I've got no idea. His um, you've given Uh, a lot of clues. There, it feels like we should know who that. We should know who that is. His last name is a type of iron.
3: A type of iron. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a a type of metal. Yeah.
2: No idea. Who is it? John Steele, John Steele.
0: <laughs> I, I
2: honestly could, I very, I could not pick John
0: Steele out of a lineup. No way. I mean, that's I, the thing is, I don't think most people could. But you know, <laughs> fair play, to him You know, rugby union and rugby league. Yeah, it's so. an impressive.
2: He must be an impressive athlete, John good... Steele, rugby. I'm looking him up now. And there's a lot. La- doesn't even have a photo on his Wikipedia page. That's not helpful to me. <laughs>
0: And the last one, Dave. I will go to you first. Santa.
2: It's that bloke that you guys know from um, Stu Mel. Um, I, Phil... no, I claim
3: no. I claim familiarity. With Phil, him. Never, I've Phil... never. I've never I, met I, him. I, I, I I never I've never heard, heard, him. heard of any, of any stories anyone's ever. Yeah, told.
2: and Phil Godman told us some terrible stories about him. Um, Craig Smith. The... Yeah, Craig Smith. Yes. Santa.
0: What's the the story for public consumption? Is what was the team sheet that he was put down as Santa
3: format? It was a it was a Stumel second fifteen game, and Craig Craig Smith, w- when he was at Edinburgh, would come and coach the scrum and stuff at Stumel. Um and maybe he, he might have been in the draft with Sturmell. I can't remember, so he occasionally mm. play for the first. Um, but the second fifteen had this crunch game against I can't remember who, but if they didn't win, they'd be relegated from the top reserve league. So they decided to to roll out Craig Smith at number eight, but um, to, to sort of steer off any people looking and seeing the, the name of the team sheet and, and recognising it. They just wrote Santa on the team sheet at number eight but <laughs> they gave to the referee. <laughs> so that, that nickname lived on.
0: Well, there you go. And then number 15 was <laughs> the, Boom Boom. The perfect crime. Santa. <laughs> no one's ever going to look into it. Uh, yeah, and then Boom Boom was the last one, so Cam Cam Redpath. So.
3: You missed... um. Uh, blade. What for, Thompson? Uh, Mike Blair. Yes. I didn't know where that came from. Was it not um, something like he he like had like a private collection of weapons? I mean that's not what I expected. Like I'm not I, I don't <laughs> think I pulled it out of nowhere. Is it, is it on Lions tour they got the nickname in 09 Um so do you remember
2: it's, the, the it's in the um It's in the
0: DVD. There's something about um, Mike Blair's nickname. So supposedly he claimed in an interview that his nickname at school had been Blade, which was a lie. And then it stuck. Like you? I Look, Matt was there. There was a very charismatic Zimbabwean coach who was coaching both me and Matt. And he took a particular liking to me. And he recognized me at the time, this slightly overweight prop trying to make the transition to center. He sensed and could see that there was an inside center who could cut the line like no other. And he gave me, he christened me with the name Blade. And from then on, (laughs) I played center ever
3: since. To be fair to Ian Noble, he played um, for Zimbabwe at the 1991 uh, Rugby World Cup good man a, 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 guy. Great, a great man as you say could could see talent do you, do you remember he this i don't know if this is that interesting but at the end of each session he he'd get all the, like the, the guys in a group and he, he'd kick a rugby ball up in the air as high as he could and he'd be like you can only leave if you catch the ball so there was like this like <laughs> scrum of players to like get the ball i'd be like fighting over each other and stuff to go and get in the car with their parents <laughs> brutal
0: no, yeah, a, my my mum's just case. like desperate us to leave because we got a dinner dinner appointment, and he's like not till he catches the
3: ball. All the tie balls.
0: He was also coach of Irvine for a little bit, sort of rogue rogue appointment. <laughs> yeah, I think he
3: played for uh, County and Hawks. He's obviously a handy player. No. Right.
2: I think we can probably, I think we can probably call it a night there, lads. While we're just sort of <laughs> go, d- Diverting ourselves into the Absolutely. Wikipedia's of lesser known Scotland rugby coaches. Um, thank you very much for joining us. We will be back um, in the coming weeks um, as we build up to that Lions squad announcement and as the, well, the excitement builds to the Rainbow Cup. Um, I just cannot wait for the 1872. Um, but until then, please keep in touch with us on Twitter at Pod, on Instagram, Thistle-Rugby-Pod, um, and send us an email if you fancy at Thistle at Gmail. At gmail.com and subscribe to the newsletter on Substack. Until then, thank you very much.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part,